Welcome to the YesAM podcast, where vulnerability fuels transformative conversations. I'm your host, Armand, and in today's episode, I talk to Emil about leadership, people psychology, and his journey of coming to the United States. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you will never miss any episodes. For more engaging content and updates, make sure to follow me on Instagram at ArmandSKZ. And now, enjoy this episode. Welcome to the YesAM podcast, Emil. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. You were like, like oh, we started? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, quite the conversation gotta, here. Yeah, no, we're just going to jump into it. Uh, man, I, I want to start with uh, something Sam told me uh, about you. You, you, still, you still have a Justin Bieber hairstyle when you were a kid. That is true. That is correct. That is correct. Oh, she really gave you the juicy details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about that one. Yeah. It's a, it's a long time ago and everyone had the hairstyle I guess. Uh-huh. mine grow out. I must say it didn't look great. So I'm glad we've moved on from there. Oh, really? <laughs> but, but did you like it then? Well, well, at the time, I was like, you know, all my friends had long hair, so I just, I just followed along. Did you do it because of Justin Bieber? No, I, no, I, no. I feel like probably Honest. someone did it because of Justin Bieber, uh-huh. and then like it kind of became fashion at our school, oh, and everyone right. just went with the long hair. Um, okay, okay. I, I enjoy short hair a lot more right now. <laughs> I want to see that on you, man. Maybe we should do it again. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll show you a picture later. <laughs> oh, yeah. I want, I want to see the picture for sure. Yeah. It's a long time ago. <laughs> All right, Emil. What's your story? What's my story? Um, well, my story starts in Belgium, I guess, which is where I was born. I lived there for seven years. I partly grew up there. I always say mm. that I was born in Belgium and I grew up in Spain because when mm. I was seven, we moved to Spain. Yeah. And I spent the majority of my life there. Yeah. I did high school there. I lived... Um, for about 12 years there. Um, my dad always says, home is where you graduated high school. And I, you really? know, I still, I still feel like Seville, which is where I finished high school yeah. in Spain. It still feels more like home to me than, you know, Belgium, for Belgium. example. I go home in Belgium sometimes. And it's been such a long time. I go there every year, but such a long time that I've been there. Um, and my family is there and such, and that also makes it feel like mm. home, but where I truly like feel like if I had to choose one place that's home in the world, it's probably like Seville. Seville. Yeah. Um, and then from there, um, I actually, my family has been, my granddad, my cousin, my uncle, they're all big into cycling, mm-hmm. logically. I got into cycling as well, you know. I tried soccer for a while, didn't work out. When I cycling was, like professional you do? Yeah, so like road cycling, racing. Oh, road cycling, um, okay. I started, I was in, over the summer in Belgium, one one year when I was about 12 yeah. and my granddad had this old bicycle. He had like, he had his newer road cycling yeah. bicycle and I found this old bicycle. I was like, granddad, you know, can I try this? Yeah. So I went on a couple of bike rides, just like a few kilometers around the yeah. like, house. And then a uh, funny story, actually, I went with my cousin who was already racing at the time. He's younger than me. Mm. And he took me to bike ride and he was like showing me this like, position on the bike where you just basically rest mm-hmm. your hands on the steering wheel. He's like, this is a lot more aerodynamic. It'll go a lot faster. I tried. Sure enough, I crashed my granddad's old bicycle. I was like, oh, no, no way. You know, kind of in oh, shame. Right. We go back. Like, yeah. I just have my granddad's no, nothing to worry about. Yeah. And that's where my cycling journey started. Mm-hmm. Um, and my granddad, he 
when we moved to Spain, he shipped one of his other older bicycles with us so he could mm. also ride his bike in Spain when he came to visit us. So he said, you can use that bike when you're there and like, you know, try and I got into it. I went to the local cycling club. All adults like cycling is not traditionally it's not a sport where people get into like very no. young. So it's like all adults and I show up there like 13 years. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go ride with you guys. They took me under their wing. I went with them. And from there, just slowly evolved, always taking the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into racing. Eventually, I was in one of the local, well, no, in one of the, in the southern region of Spain, their cycling isn't very popular. And at the time, there were like three teams of my category, and I got into the best one. Um, I started racing, um, and it just oh. kind of followed from there. And then when I was about to make my move to the next category, because um, you're, what they call a junior rider yeah. until you're eight, between 16 and 18, uh-huh. and when I was going to make it to under 23, which mm-hmm. is sort of the category that goes like right before becoming a professional, yeah. that's where people typically make the jump um, to like professional cycling. Yeah. I, my, grand, my parents said, you know, we're going to move to the US. I was like, my world was falling apart. My dream, I was like, you know. Of the whole family you're talking about. Yeah, my whole family. The whole family going to move to the US. Yeah, and my parents were going to move to the US um, and my, my dream kind of fell apart because like if you want to become a professional cyclist, many people from the U.S. come to Europe to become a professional cyclist. So I was like, I'm going to make the opposite really? move. It doesn't really make sense for me to go to the U.S. if I want to be a professional yeah. cyclist. It's kind of insane, though, that uh, you go to Spain and want to be a professional cyclist because everybody goes to Spain, they want to be the best soccer player. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, I, well, as I said, I turned yeah. soccer and... Um, I quickly realized that, you know, there were more talented people out there than, than I was. And I put all the hard work in. Life humbled you very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I became humbled very quickly. So I okay. told my parents, you know, I'm 18. Uh-huh. I'm actually going to stay here. I'm going to try and, like, pursue my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents were very supportive, actually. They, they, you know, figured everything out. They rented me a house. As I said, I, I grew up in Spain, so I had a lot of people that weren't necessarily family, the closest yeah. family that I had when my parents moved to it was in the north of Spain, like mm-hmm. a 12 hour car drive away. Um, but a lot of like family friends that we met over the years, they were helping me out. And I spent three years in Spain by myself trying to like pursue a career in professional mm-hmm. cycling at the same time, getting some education, but you know, Is not, it by yourself, like, yeah, just fully by myself. Huh? Just, Supported by my parents, obviously. Which what years are you from, like, 14 um, to 18? No, from 18 to 20, to 20, I guess. So 18 to, wait, didn't you come to US or 18? No, I came to US when I was, I think, 20. Oh, 20, oh, okay. Yes. So you started college, maybe, like... Maybe when I was, in, when, I came to the US in the year that I was going to be 20, because I, I st- my birthday is in November, so... Okay, okay, I okay. Was gonna, become 20 years old gotcha, in the fall gotcha. term of college. Mm-hmm. You know, and pursuing cycling career, also put in all the hard work, but mm-hmm. eventually realized, you know, maybe maybe it's just a hobby for me. And I, I always knew yeah. I will go to college at some point and get a college degree. Yeah. And I started thinking about it, like, where am I going to go to college? We yeah. had family in Belgium, we had family in Spain, friends all over Europe. We had the U.S. where my parents lived. Mm-hmm. And I told my mom, what if... Like, can I come to the U.S. too? Like, can I come study there? And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can. I'm like, of course. She was like a little taken back from it. She didn't expect yeah. me to come to the U.S. Yeah. Because obviously, like, I had a big passion for cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And she's like, yeah, well, like, I'll look into some options for you. And mm -hmm. she looked into like some university options that I could go to, um, one of which OSU, um, the Cascades campus in Bent, which is a smaller campus. And options across Europe as well. And I said, no, yeah, OSU Cascades sound good to me. And she's like, well, people typically apply to multiple colleges, which I didn't know, you know? Yeah. I was like, no, I'll just apply to OSU Cascades. And she's like, like what Like, what if you don't get in? And I was like, you know, I'll get in. Uh, I got into OSU Cascades, moved here. But what was it though? Why OSU Cascades? Like um, you know, I, I didn't really fully consciously think about it at the time. Oh, okay. I was like, you know, a small campus, outdoors, sounds fun to me. Like, oh, it was just like an option on the table. And you yeah, just I was like, you gotcha. know, it sounds good to me. It's, you know, for me at the time, the university is the university. Uh, but later it worked out very well. Mm -hmm. um, I did two years at Cascades, mm -hmm. um, really grew there, um, got to like embrace the culture here because it's, it's different. I right. got here and I yeah. have some, quite some funny stories of first time I got here. Um, to Cascades or? To Cascades, yeah. just like the cultural difference, you know. And um, I got here, did my first two years at Cascades, my first job at Cascades. And then I realized like what a good choice I had actually made because mm -hmm. I could also go to OSU, the main campus, which is like such big campuses, we don't have them in Europe really. Mm -hmm. Like universities are just for education. Like they're like all the additional stuff that comes with it here, we don't really have like a rec center and such. Oh, really? So, in Europe, it's just like classroom. Yeah, yeah just you go to class. class. Interesting. So I was like, okay. Uh, it worked out perfectly. I was like, I'll, I'll transfer to Corvallis now. Mm -hmm. I want to go to the big campus. And yeah. Where, where I met you, where I met for a sure. lot of extraordinary people. That's like uh, your junior year. Yeah, so my junior year, I came. You come to I, I yeah, main campus, yeah. basically. Did research, you know, worked for ASSU. So when you were in Cascade, that was when you applied to be at ASSU, and then you came here. Yeah. Also, okay. yeah. So I, um, the year I decided in about May of my sophomore year that I was going to go to Corvallis. Um, yeah. I got in touch with my now research mentor. Um, mm -hmm. She taught an e-campus class to me. And I told her I was interested in working in her lab. And she said, well, you know, mm -hmm. our lab is in Corvallis. It's like, no problem for me. I'll, I'll move to Corvallis <laughs> if that's what it takes, you know. I'd, I'd be closer to my family anyways. Um, so I moved here. Um, you know, my job, I was also involved in student government at Cascades. My job over there was, you know, how they end. Like, you have a term and then you have to apply again, basically. So I was like, I'm not going to reapply. I, I'll go to Corvallis mm -hmm. and find a job there and then the vice president he made of the Cascades campus who's leading the campus there yeah. made my choice a lot more difficult because over the summer we had met doing an event um, mm -hmm. at Cascades and over the summer he reached out to one of my best friends and I and he told us I want you to come work for me I was like oh well <laughs> well that makes it like that's obviously a very attractive opportunity but I'm kind of already like on my way to Corvallis yeah. Um, so I had some thinking to do. Am I going to stay in Cascades? Am I going to come to Corvallis? Um, and then it dawned on me, like, why ha do I have to choose? Why don't I find the middle ground? So I offered to him, how about I... It was a new role. It was a role that didn't mm -hmm. exist. So they created that role for us. And he was like... And I offered him, like, why don't I work for a month or until I go to Corvallis for you? I help you set up the role, what we're going to try and accomplish. Start, like... 
working on what this role is going to do. And then after that, I just go to Corvallis. So that way I got a little bit of best of both worlds, you know? So I worked for him for a month and then came to Corvallis. So you come to Corvallis um, and it's a... Would you say it's like a different culture shock too, you know? No, it was a culture shock when well, I came just to, come the, to, Cascade, came right? to the U.S. Yeah, it was yeah. more coming to the U.S. than coming oh, to Corvallis. Oh, that was a culture shock yeah. for you. Like the, the whole, like, how people yeah. are and things like yeah. that? You like, know, Corvallis was a slight culture shock. And okay. At Cascade, at the time, we had, I think, four buildings. and Yeah, that was pretty small. Cascade. Yeah, it's, it's a really small campus. Like you all, I think you almost like, know everybody. There. Yeah, I, I think I told you about it. Yeah. At the time, I would go to the dining hall. Yeah. You know, didn't plan to meet with anyone, but I'd always know any like everyone at the dining hall. So I always had someone to sit with. I came That's to great. Corvallis and you know, twenty six thousand students or whatever the number is at right now. <laughs> Don't know anyone. Barely yeah. see anyone on campus. I have to use Google Maps to find the building where I'm going to. Did you do that too? Because I struggled a lot finding buildings the yeah. first year I was here. And, and, and even worse, so like you know, Google Maps solved the problem of finding the building. Yeah. The problem was finding the room. You know, Google Maps points yes. to the building, but doesn't tell you where. How you gonna find the room? Yeah. It's like how do these numbers work? I don't know. If you, I don't know if you ever had a uh, class in Link. Yeah. And Link is freaking hard to find your room, especially if in the second or third floor. It's like it's like a maze there. Yeah, and it's really confusing because yeah. there's classrooms in the middle, and each classroom has two entrances. So like sometimes I, I had to be in like let's say Link three fourteen, yeah. but there was an arrow that pointed Link three fourteen left, and an arrow that pointed Link three fourteen right. I was like, what does what? that mean? <laughs> but yeah, so finding the room was the real challenge. But I gotta, but I gotta tell you, the, the, the shocking part for me was those stairs. Oh, they were steep. <laughs> they are. I, every time I went up them, I felt like I did my cardio for the day. It yeah. was a lot, man. You know, I, I made it my point at the time. I was like, I'm never going to take the elevator here. And to this yeah, point, no, I've, same, I've never like taken the elevator yeah. to Link. I've always just walked up the stairs and mm-hmm. definitely a workout. Mm-hmm. I, I arrived to class and I was like, <laughs> finally, I can sit down. You should not say that because you did a lot of cycling. That's a lot of cardio. You, you should be like, oh, easy for me, though. You know? Oh, well, you know. <laughs> so you come to uh, the main campus and you start working at ASOSU. Yes. And that's where we met. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, that's where, that's where we, we met. met. Yeah, that's where we met. So tell me about that experience. Because I think about it was a quite me, journey. Meeting you or going to ASOSU? No, ASOSU. ASOSU. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so before ASOSU, actually, uh-huh. and this will tie into one of the stories that I wanted to tell you. Sure. So ASOSU, I applied to the role, um, but I wasn't confident that I would get the job. You know, at the time, it seemed pretty competitive to, competitive to me, especially the role that I was applying to um, mm-hmm. at the time called Director of Programming and Operations. It's currently the chief of staff role. They keep changing it, yeah. I was like, you know, I have some significant experience, but I I know nothing about the Corvallis campus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to successfully represent the students and their interests, in my mind, I was like, you kind of need to know what's going on on the campus, and I have no idea. So I applied to the role, and at the same time, I applied to some other roles, um, because I was like, chances is that I'm not going to get it. Mm -hmm. So um, I applied for another role, did the interview, um, and I applied for this role, also did an interview, and then it was just a, the worst time. You just wait. And I heard back from this other role first, and I got that job, but they needed to know 
uh, quickly whether I was going to accept a role. And now this is where the decision was coming in. Do I take this role, which wasn't necessarily like the, my ideal role. Um, when I was looking for campus jobs, I was really looking for um, not necessarily money, but what skills am I going to get out of it? I'm very conscious about what am I going to learn, you know? Um, when I came to college, the first thing was education is my priority <clears throat> and money, like, it's important, but I'm focused on getting an education right now. So when I was thinking about a job, it was partly also like considering what was I going to get out of it, what am I going to learn? And obviously the ASSU role, significant leadership skills, communication, um, team building, people management, all those things. And that was, you know, a big plus to the role. I'm going to yeah. learn a lot about it. I'm going to get amazing connections. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work with mm -hmm. amazing people, extraordinary people. Um, and you know, that was, that was that. Um, and the other job, you know, was more of a clerical role, a little less of like leadership, just kind of following. Just communication. Like, yeah, just doing the tasks that uh, you're assigned. Um, so it wasn't my ideal role, but I, I got that job and I didn't hear back from ASSU. So it's like, you know, do I take the risk and reject this position? Yeah. Hopefully I get the other role or do I take this job and just give up on ASSU? But, you know, in my life, I've always learned that, like, sometimes it's worth taking the risk and waiting to, like, get what you want. There's always, okay. like, if one door closes, another one always opens. There's always a, a next opportunity, which mm -hmm. I realized then. So I decided to take the risk and I, I first asked to extend the deadline for my decision and they mm -hmm. were very accommodating. Um, but then they obviously needed to know, and I still hadn't heard back from ASSU. Oh, they took that long? They, it took quite a while. Wow. So I was like, look, I'm, I'm waiting for another role, um, and I think I'm going to you know, respectfully decline your offer. Um, and then I was just waiting. I was like, you know, it might have been a big mistake. I'm not going to mm -hmm. get a job, or either I'll, I'll have a, a job that I really enjoy. And yeah. it turned out to work. <laughs> it worked out for me. So I came to ASSU, and that experience was... Obviously, like the first months were hectic yeah. and challenging. Um, I had led some teams before, but never. My job had never been really to like lead a team. Like I was given a team of fourteen amazing people, mm -hmm. and obviously Drew, the president, and Dylan, yeah. the vice president, they helped. But part of my role was to help manage the my executive branch for them, yeah. and I was like. How do I lead a team without really knowing mm -hmm. the campus or what we're going to do? So it was, you know, to successfully lead a team, you need to effectively communicate the purpose of what you're going to do and connect it to um, a strategy. Yeah. And I knew the purpose, but yeah. we didn't really have a strategy at the time. So the first months were trying to figure it out. You know, sure. we, did, we did some stuff here and there, but it wasn't our most successful months. But as we moved on, our team grew, um, and we I think we did quite some good things on all, campus. Y'all did great stuff. Um, let's, let's move back to the part that you said. Uh, it came to the down to the decision of, do I take the risk, wait for SOSU, or um, do I just take this job, which you may not be fully satisfied with throughout, mm -hmm. the, throughout the year. So I want to know, because you, you, you point out a, a very good mentality that you had, you know, if a door closed, another door opens. So where, was that the first time that you came to kind of this type of decisions in your life? Um, not really. Not really? Um, 
same for so at the time when I was living in Spain okay. I took the risk to decide to stay in Spain and hopefully become a professional cyclist and that's where mm -hmm. I learned that if it doesn't work out it's okay you can move on you know okay it didn't work out you can you can keep trying which is also like mm -hmm. great if you can keep trying but at the time I decided to pivot and adapt and I came to the US and you know my main objective is now to get a college degree and not necessarily to win bike races. Would you say you like a top person that um, I don't know if this is the right analogy but like you put your eggs in one basket but you protect that basket with all your power? Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a good way to put it in, you mm -hmm. know, and if it doesn't work out, like, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. You can pivot, like, there's sure. plenty of opportunities out there. It might take a while to mm -hmm. figure out what you want to do, but yeah. once you figure that out, I think you'll be in a happy place and you'll, I love you'll that. enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, I love that. So, um, you go to SSU, you and um, definitely learn a lot of leadership skills. And that's kind of like something I, I want to know more about the whole leadership aspect of it. You know, um, growing. You are you an only child or no? I have plenty of brothers actually. So and I'm I'm the oldest one. So I I like You're to the say, one. yeah I like to say that some of my leadership skills have always been there and like evolving because because of um, your I have four brothers and I I grew up with three of them in my house so i'm the oldest and i've always sort of been leading that pack you know did that how it feel to, to you like growing up you know kind of like i'm responsible yeah not i mean sort of like yeah. i'm not responsible for making sure they have food and such or for anything. no no yeah yeah, yeah like i'm their oldest brother mm -hmm. i i am responsible yeah. for being a good example for them for sure. and for helping them whenever they need help supporting them so I, I, I did think I do think that a lot of my leadership skills stem from that experience. So you saw something very interesting. You you just growing up, you probably not as experienced as you are right now at those early ages. And you're still thinking about, you know, setting a good example. And I feel like that's something that was uh, vivid in your whole uh, work at ASOSU and what you do right now, kind of setting an example and leading that way. Uh, but what I'm curious about is like, where did you develop that mentality of, you know, if I want to lead, I need to be, I need to lead this way. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't think consciously it like consciously, I didn't work that in my head mm -hmm. until maybe, um, uh, my first professional roles. Mm -hmm. Um, I've sort of always been doing that since I was a kid. I was always trying to be a good example for my brothers when I was cycling. In my team i wasn't the most talented cyclist i wasn't winning all the races but yeah. you know i was always working hard you know mm -hmm. trying to set that example for my teammates yeah and then when i came to the office of student life at cascades which is where my first role was um one of my first tasks at cascades is they they organize a welcome week for freshmen mm -hmm. which at the time i really enjoyed them in my second year i was lucky enough to be part of the planning for that and we have orientation leaders are what they called and each orientation leader was at the time it was during co it was after COVID, mm -hmm. assigned to a pod of like nine students so together it would be a group of 10 students yeah. at the end and i was in charge of leading those orientation leaders and there was a group of 17 of them and 
that was the first time that I was like consciously thinking about how am I going to lead such a big team? Mm -hmm. What am I, how are we going to like accomplish our goals, but also how are they going to get something positive out of it? How are they going to grow, grow mm -hmm. in their roles? So I think that's when I first realized, like started thinking about leadership. Before that, it was very like just intuitive. And yeah. in that moment, I think was the first time that I started to consciously think about how am I going to lead this team and how are we going to constantly improve to accomplish our goals? Uh, growing up, do you look up, who do you look up as your kind of like your mentor, you know, mm -hmm. you know, early ages, who is that person for you? Um, well, I think, I think there's plenty of people that I look up to, um, but I think the person that most stands up to, stands out to me and has stood out to me in my whole life is my granddad. Your granddad? Yeah. He's always, he's sort of been my leader and like my mentor. He was yeah. a leader for our grandkids. He, every summer he organized a, we like to fish and every summer he would organize, it started out three days, eventually it became mm -hmm. a week and all of his grandkids, six of us, he would take us fishing for a week yeah. or for three or four days. Yeah. And like, that's where I really picked up on like, I think on some leadership skills, like communication, like this is the plan for today. This is what we're gonna do. Mm -hmm. um, and if we have conflict, like how do we resolve this conflict? Like listen to both sides of the story and like trying to find middle ground, you know. And your I, your granddad did that? Yeah, my granddad wow. did that. And I think he's a, he's a natural leader and I sort of picked up from him those things, always leading through kindness and mm -hmm. helping us like grow and take stuff and mm -hmm. learn out of it, you know? For sure. Because I mean, even natural leaders, I think are like our leaders of in their early childhood childhood unconsciously learn you know and like i feel like that's where you got your probably leadership you know from your granddad unconsciously mm -hmm. observing as a kid yeah. we are all very observant you know we yeah. are all constantly observing what's going on around us and like some of those skills that we see our people around us like our granddad dad mother they have we kind of pick up on and we grow up and they become, we, oh, we are a national leader, but it was not necessarily like natural. Yeah. It was more of like something that was what we picked up in early childhood unconsciously. Exactly. And that, that really, you know, you, just in this conversation with you, yeah. it really tied my like psychology education with my personal experiences. Yeah. In my last term at LSU, we learned about modeling and that is basically how kids observe. Yeah. And they like start picking up things and they, they copy that. Mm -hmm. And that's how they, that's one way that kids learn. Um, and I think maybe leadership behaviors could be, you know, learned through modeling. From perhaps. And maybe in my personal experience, I, I picked that up from my granddad and yeah. from other people I was surrounded by. You know, and, and you, that's actually a really good, good transition because you said you, you majored in psychology. And what, what was the idea behind that? You, because you were like kind of like in a, I can say you you're, you are a competitive person, mm -hmm. you know, from, from me knowing you, you're a competitive person, you do cycling, sports, you know, and things like that, and then you grow up in a family that, like, there are leaders in it, and then you come psychology. What is the thought behind that? Yeah, uh, that's a good question, actually. Um, and at the time, maybe not, you know, it's all eventually fit into my story really well. For sure. But it wasn't maybe necessarily planned um, at the mm -hmm. time. So I spent about two years without really, with going to college without having declared my major. 
Well, for the two I, years in Cascade, you didn't declare. Yeah, I gotcha. declared the last term that I was in Cascades. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I tried out a lot of classes, and I think that is also where I learned that to know what you really like, you mm -hmm. have to try stuff out. It's mm -hmm. it's hard to say like I want to do this because I like it. You mm -hmm. always like if you if that if that's what you do and you liked it, it's either because you've tried it before. Or like I don't think you just yeah. guess and you're right. <laughs> like you, you eventually like from somewhere you gotta know that you're gonna like it. Mm -hmm. One of the classes that I took was intro to psychology, mm. um, and I really enjoyed it. My, my mom's a clinical psychologist, um, and she always told me like maybe consider psychology. And I, I always told her I will never do psychology, but because like perhaps the like the reasoning behind that was because i'm not as interested in clinical psychology mm. but in that class i realized there's a lot more to psychology than just clinical so like cognitive psychology and social psychology i was really fascinated by how people interact with each other and spe Boom. specifically what i was yeah. most curious about is how do people make decisions like you know there's there's a lot to that is very interesting. Like, why do we choose the things that we choose? So I, I really like, I think that is the first thing that why I chose psychology, but eventually it kind of fit into my story really well because um, I'm now going on to do my MBA. Um, and I think to lead a business, there are two parts to it. You want to understand how business works, but every business is driven by people. people. So you really want to understand Some how people. the people work. Um, and I think that my psychology education will really tie into that well, understanding how people mm -hmm. behave and, you know, how do we take in information, how do we process that information, how do we use it to make decisions. So I think that's where it ties in very well to my story. You know, when, when, you, when you grow up, do you constantly looking around yourself and kind of observing people and try to kind of make sense of what they do? Is yeah, that, is and, that, I, yeah. I, and I must confess, I am one of those people that at a restaurant, <laughs> You look around. I like to listen into like what are other people talking about. Um, I'm I'm definitely like there's you know it's it's just I think it's curiosity like what like how do what do people do in their lives what do they choose what how how are how are they feeling how do uh -huh. they behave yeah in an airport there's there's nothing I enjoy more than sitting in an airport and seeing the different types of behaviors there's people that are stressed there's people that act like they know it all there's people that have no idea what's going on. So it's it's really curious the variety of behaviors that are. Emil, I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I don't know if you ever said this, but like one of the reasons I love going to coffee shops and not necessarily, I mean, I just like a coffee, going to coffee shop in general, like any coffee shop that has a place that people go sit there. Cause I just love watching people and observing them. It's fascinating mm -hmm. to me. You know, I, I love watching people, like two people sitting around it, like next to each other, having conversation and just watching those awkward moments. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then those, like what happened that, oh, there was a laughter moment. Mm -hmm. You know, like you just see all these things just fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, you know? it's truly incredible how people interact with each other. And, and that's exactly why I don't go to coffee shops or any public places to, <laughs> to do work or study because I know I'll just, my attention will veer away from oh. what I'm doing instantly. <laughs> yeah, no, but like that's something I do basically. I go do my work and then I'm like, sometimes I'm just like, let me just look at people. Uh, that, that's for me, it's like a mental break. You know? That's kind of cool. Yeah, then I get lost in <laughs> five minutes of watching people and it turns into hours of just sitting there. <laughs> And I'm not even thinking. I'm just like I'm. I'm sort of like part of their conversation without contributing. 
That's hilarious, man. Uh, but you said it very well. You know, uh, you going to MBA and, and needing to like learn about the whole business aspect, which is MBA is going to provide. And then I feel like the dual of psychology, people psychology, and uh, business it really fits well together because you know any any good entrepreneur CEO that you see. They're not just necessarily uh, the brain of the company, but they're also the one that connect the company, mm -hmm. connect connect the people within the company. Yeah. You, you have know? to, you know, you have to be able to connect as a business leader. I think mm -hmm. one of the key things is being able to connect the mission and vision of your company yes. to the people that are working there. And then be able to connect that to a strategy of mm -hmm. how you're going to allocate resources. Yeah. How, what's our plan to accomplish this goal? And you have to be able to communicate that. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to like figure those things out. So I think part of that is like, you know, MBA, figuring out the plan. How are we going to allocate resources? Then psychology, how are people going to react to this plan? How, yeah. are gonna, how are people going to contribute to this plan? And how are we going to get a group of people to all work towards one common goal very true um so this probably kind of goes for your background um because we can dive into that too, a little bit too that uh, last summer you did a, a ceo program yeah what was it called exactly um ceo for one month ceo yeah. for one month program and I feel like, uh, so you got that kind of experience on and then you worked as a chief of or program director at ASOSU and that provided a lot of human interaction for you. And then you had the classroom experience too to kind of learn that knowledge. So gathering all these things together, what are some things that you have learned about people? What have I learned about people? Yeah. Um, okay, that's, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Let me think about that exactly. What have I learned about people? Um, I think one of the main things that I've learned about people is that people, you know, I've learned that each individual mm -hmm. is different, you know, and how you work with those people, you have to modify that depending on how they, you know, as a leader, like, how do they want to work with you? You have to kind of figure that out. Like, there's no one size fits all is what mm -hmm. I want to say, mm -hmm. I guess. So, you know, there's people that like a lot of structure and there's people that, you know, you just give the help, tell them like what you want to do and like they're very autonomous, they figure it out. And there's people that balance both. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, as from the leadership aspect, like there's no one size fits all. You just have to you know, sort of figure it out, like what's the best way you work with each individual. Um, and then I think another very important thing is that it's very important to like set a clear goal and clear expectations mm -hmm. at the beginning, because that's, that's one of the mistakes that I made at ASOSU. I didn't set clear goals, clear expectations at the beginning. And then I spent a whole fall term trying to like figure it, out. figure it out and correct that mistake. So I think that is one of the main key takeaways from that role mm. is like, you know, and perhaps that was because I was new to this campus and new to this role. Yeah. So I didn't have that experience either. Um, so set up like goals and expectations first and then mm -hmm. work from there. One thing that I basically started this podcast with 
like the talking about like I'm talking about like two years ago when I started the podcast a year ago and the kind of words of yes I am uh, it's all about um, building confidence within you that you're capable of achieving anything you want yes that's exactly. kind of what it is so one thing that's always been fascinated fascinating for me like I was always fascinated by the the fact that how I personally can help people to build confidence and you coming from you just talked about kind of like the last uh, term of your your psychology major being about like modeling you know and I guess like you know a lot of things that we go through in our lives in our past has has almost everything to do with how we learn and how we adapt to like new habits new things uh, so putting all those together and then your uh, leadership background how, how do you help people to build confidence how, what's the what's the path do you think mm -hmm. and actually I think I'm gonna like you know my previous answer to your previous question yeah. scratch that one of the main things and this is gonna answer both of your questions yeah. that I learned about people mm -hmm. is that you know in a professional role they have their professional lives, which mm -hmm. is totally fine. But mm -hmm. the priority is always their personal lives. Mm. Drew, um, you know, president of ASOC yeah. at the time, he said it very well during our training. That what we would prioritize during the year is a culture of care. So we'd always care about personal circumstances first, and you know, work was the second like priority. Like you're a student first, your personal life goes first, and then work. So you know. If people like need to take time off to like their personal circumstances, um, that's one hundred percent all right. Like that is the priority, and that really like if if you're doing well in your personal circumstances and you know everything is going well, then you'll automatically succeed in your professional mm -hmm. role. And I'm not saying that you can't succeed otherwise, like, yeah, no. but we we very quickly like we understood that like. People have lives beyond their mm -hmm. professional lives, and that is very important. And like, first of all, we're here as students, and we're here to get an education, and honestly, to live what is supposed to be, or as many people say, the best times of our lives, right? So yeah, for sure. we really try to minimize that stress. So yeah. I think that is the main thing, like a culture of care, like, mm -hmm. you know, show people that you care about them, and that like, you want to know more about them beyond their like, professional circumstances you want to know about their lives and like and that doesn't mean that you have to be friends but like you have to care about people and if you care about people i think the confidence builds automatically and uh one thing i have realized you know from my interaction is uh as much as important it is the building that care i think it's more important to that care to come more very genuine yes because i feel like people can quickly pick up on like oh 100% you know if it's just like you just doing it for the sake of doing it or you actually care exactly yeah there's there's definitely a difference like you know there's one thing of like asking how someone is doing just as a formality like how are you doing mm. and then they'll respond like good that like that's the typical answer yeah. like but you have to follow up on that like how are you truly doing what's, yeah. what's going on in your life for sure are you like what did you do last weekend? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, those follow-up questions. And I feel like that's how you show that you truly care. Mm -hmm. um, if you're just, if you just ask someone, how are you doing? And they just say good. And you move on to like 
okay, well, I have this project to do and like we need to work on this. Mm-hmm. That's someone that doesn't care. But if you follow up on that, I feel, I feel like you show that you care and um, genuine caring. Genuine I, I, caring I, really, yeah. I really like how you worded that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, as, as I feel like people are very smart with their connections as maybe they don't understand it. And that's why like, I feel like people that are very genuine are the people that like build the best networks, you know, because they're, you know, uh, back to what you said about psychology of people, psychology of business, uh, sorry, not psychology of business, the, the business is like, uh, you gotta be interested in the business as much as you're interested in people, mm-hmm. you know, yes. type of thing. Because after all, people are your customers, people are you like, co-workers and mm-hmm. are your team yeah people is what drives business and to go back to like genuine caring i'll give you a fun mm-hmm. psychology fact people can actually yeah. differentiate a genuine smile from a fake smile so like if you show people you ask people to like smile and you like show people pictures of like people trying to smile then you show people if like you show people a picture of someone that's genuinely yeah, smiling, smiling yeah. they'll be able to pick that person out. I'm so. trying to think in my own personal experiences, I think like that's also very true. I, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bit that like, oh, this actually came up last week. I was sitting, uh, or like last uh, Friday, I was sitting uh, across one of my friends uh, at the coffee shop and, uh, we, we were working and uh, I asked him, how are you doing? And then she started just like smiling and saying all these things. And then I guess like kind of like the psychology or whatever, like my brain told me this is not true. And so I was like, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's just kind of like. That's how, tired, how you yeah. show that you truly care. Because, yeah. you know, someone that doesn't truly care would have just moved on. Or like, oh, she's smiling. She said she's good. Well, well, but like there's something wrong yeah. about that smile and the what you say is like, I'm good, you know. Yeah. Many times many times I okay. Probably one of the best classes I took at OSU, mm-hmm. nonverbal behavior taught by Dr. Frank Bernary. Mm-hmm. Super interesting class. And we learned there that like genuine cues to like how people truly are doing are often revealed through facial expressions. Yeah. So like your body language often reveals how you're you feel? truly like doing like it's very it's very difficult to hide how you're doing in like nonverbal cues mm-hmm. like you can always say that you're doing good even if you're not but your body will reveal like how you're truly doing and people like people can pick up on like the mismatch between your body language and what you're saying yeah so. no that's definitely true and that's why like all the FBI, CIA people, you know, mm-hmm. they have to learn body language, yeah. you know, that's kind of like part of their job because they have to have to read people, mm-hmm. you know, who's lying, who is actually like, is up to nothing good. So interesting. Uh, but getting back to the concept of leadership. So how would you define leadership, you know, or like actually uh, scratch that. As a person, how would you like to be li- be led? Mm-hmm. I that's, think that's a better one. No, that's a that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I really like that question, and um, it's a question that I've thought about 
a lot over time. Like, what really? what makes a good leader? And it's it's really hard to define what makes mm. a good leader because there there are many aspects to mm-hmm. what, what makes a good leader. And I think for me, what makes a good leader, or what how I would like to be mm-hmm. led, is someone that is able to like inspire me to like go above and beyond. It's someone that can push me to like without like and without many incentives to like just because I like am following them as my leader and like they push me to go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not only like that inspiring aspect, but also a leader for me. A good leader is someone that truly cares about me mm-hmm. and like cares about my well being, also cares about my growth. I'm still, you know, I still have a lot to learn. I, oh, I know that. I'm very conscious about that. And in all my roles, I, I look to like keep growing. And like, I really like appreciate leaders that understand that, that like mm-hmm. everyone wants to always keep growing. Like no one is just in a role to just, you know, be there. Like you want, you want to learn and you want to grow. Like, yeah. um, self-actualization. So I think a good leader is someone that can inspire you to go above and beyond, but also keeps in mind that you're a human and that like mm. you have your personal life and you know really like understands that there's more than just work mm-hmm. I forgot his name joko something he was a um uh he, he was like no not marines the um, what's the other one navy seals mm-hmm. he was a navy seals and He's very, he has very interesting thoughts about leadership and the importance of accountability when it comes to leadership. And one thing he said, I want to know your thoughts because you have studied uh, people's psychology and your experience. You know, one thing he said is like anything that happens, like kind of like I'm trying to put it the best way, everything that happens that has anything to do with me and if anything goes wrong it's all on me although it may seem like it wasn't me but it is on me and anytime within day one mm-hmm. you know so what are your thoughts on that so you're sort of saying that like whatever goes wrong like i'm fully accountable of a, everything as, as a leader mm-hmm. that's a that's a tough question i think i think I think there are certainly circumstances in which, you know, people make mistakes because of, you know, the mistake of a leader, of like a prior mistake of a leader. We made, we made at ASSU, we made a ton of mistakes. Yeah. And part of that was because I was still figuring out how am I, like, what are the expectations I'm setting? Mm-hmm. What is truly the goal of us being here? Um, and I, I think like a lot of the mistakes at the time were, I was certainly partly or at least fully responsible Mm -hmm. for because i didn't set those expectations right Mm -hmm. i didn't like i wasn't able to like support my team i wasn't able to like help people i think part of being a good leader is Mm -hmm. being able to help people succeed and grow in their role and at the Mm -hmm. time i wasn't able to like i didn't fully accomplish that or like you know i figured that out over Mm -hmm. time which is normal i'm also still learning and figuring it out um, so I think there are certainly mistakes that are um, due to like I wouldn't say bad leadership, but to like due to leadership mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are mistakes that like 
I think there are, I, I'm willing to think that there are mistakes that are not due to like poor leadership. I think like, but they're probably more rare than. Could you think of an example? <laughs> I'm thinking of like extremely radical examples right sure. now, but like, let's say like, I don't know, something, someone does something like unethical and immoral or so under your leadership, but like maybe you weren't aware of that. Like, is that truly your mistake? Or like, you know, like there are, there are people out there that, you know, maybe like because of their circumstances, like do something like that. And like, what would be your mistake though, if, if you don't follow up on that and help them learn from that mistake. Okay. But like, there are mistakes that you can't avoid as well. Okay, so someone does something unethical within your group, and I guess an answer to that will be, uh, I am responsible and accountable because I have not done a good job checking on that person previously, that, you know, to make sure that will not happen, mm -hmm. you know, or that's, like, yeah. That's a good point. I think it's probably an endless loop. Like, you could yeah. think of ways that, like, that you are responsible. That you are responsible. Yeah. I, I, where do you draw the line? I, I don't know. Um, I well, think his thing was, you don't draw the line. You're always responsible yeah. as a leader because sure. that kind of helps you to keep bettering yourself too, you know? You know, it's a concept that I haven't really thought about like mm -hmm. that way. It could be true. It could not be true. I can't come up with an example right mm -hmm. now. Um, you know, mistakes are inevitable. They're, they're mm -hmm. going to happen. Um, I think as a leader, yeah. it is your responsibility to make sure that people like reflect on those and learn from them. Like, cause yeah. like, the best way to learn is learning from your mistakes. So, so I, as a leader, I fully embrace mistakes. Like mm -hmm. there's no problem at all with making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Sure. At the time there might be some stress and like, mm -hmm. oh, like we missed this and the event is happening in a couple yeah. of hours, like stress, that's okay mm -hmm. as well. But like after, and this is something that I always like to do with my teams is we sit down, we think about what we did, what did we do well, because mm -hmm. that's important to keep in mind and keep doing that, mm -hmm. like what we did well. What did we not do well? What did we learn from that? And then lastly, what could we do better and how could we improve both what we did well and what we didn't do well? You would do that for anything, successful or failure? Yeah, I think you have mm -hmm. to learn, like that's one of, I think, a key value is self-reflection and like, yeah learning from what you did well and what you didn't do well and i think that's extremely valuable that's how you learn and how you keep improving uh let's move on to the uh another subject and well you you grew up most of your lifetime in europe yes and then you come here and so what i'm going to ask you is from your perspective you know from your perspective only with your background and being around a lot of people and being a young adult man, what do you think are some struggles and uh, problems and issues that like men within our age group are facing? That's a, that's a good question. And um, what are some struggles that we are facing at the time? Well, I think and pretty much everyone's struggle at this time is just trying to figure out like what's what's your goal in life what what do mm -hmm. you when you look back on your life mm -hmm. and like you're retired and you look back on your life like 
what do you want to have accomplished? Mm -hmm. I think trying to figure out that. And that's still something I battle with on a daily basis. And it's maybe not the answer you're looking mm -hmm. for, but um, you know, for all my MBA um, applications, I had to write like essays about my purpose in life. I realized mm -hmm. I was always writing very broad because yeah. you know I'm still trying to figure that out as yeah. well. Like, yeah, for sure. And that's totally okay. Like I I can't predict what I'm gonna do in in 40, 50 years. Like mm -hmm. my life. Like you have to pivot. You have to adapt. Circumstances mm -hmm. happen. So like it's very hard to define a specific purpose. Eventually, I nailed it down to like I want to make an impact. I want to help people, mm -hmm. help improve people's lives, and yeah. I want to do that through leading businesses and organizations okay well that's that's still very broad but mm -hmm. it's a it's a guiding principle of where mm -hmm. where i want to go and you know it's it's something you have to think about a lot and be very conscious and like like you can have a plan but i always mm -hmm. like in through my experiences i've noticed that plans tend to fail as mm -hmm. well so you have to like be prepared to adapt and figure it out as you go as well so i think sure. one of the struggles for anyone our age is trying to figure out what you're going to do like what's what's your purpose in life what what's next what's what, nice. what do you want to have accomplished I, I will never forget not the first time i met you but the second time i met you java stop coffee shop what happened you asked me what's your purpose in life what's your why and i was like damn <laughs> that's that's like i was like impressed i was like that's a bold question to ask someone yeah I actually do not remember asking you that, but it makes sense that I asked that. Because I, like, oh, I do wow. that sometimes. <laughs> I was just standing in line, like, going about my day, and you just pushed this existential question. Like, the whole day I was thinking about it, I was like, what's my purpose in life? I don't know. I've, I've never worded it. And now, after, like, all my college applications, I, like, you know, I'm, I'm glad to say that I've, I haven't fully figured it out, but I sort of know where I'm going and what I'm hoping to do, so... Oh, really? So, so you said, I asked you, what was your purpose of your life second time we met? Se second time we met. And then that time you were, like, probably in the shock? Yeah, I, was I, like, I didn't expect it. It wasn't, it wasn't really a question that... Yeah. To be honest, it's not a question that you just randomly ask someone you just... I do! But I know you do. <laughs> and, you know, I really like that because it, it's something different. Like, people always ask, like, how are you doing? And, like... I don't know, like, if you're just, like, in a casual, like, conversation, you, just, you don't tell, like, people about your, like, life problems, like, mm -hmm. you could go on for hours, but, like, I really like that question, I was like, that's, that's a question that made an impact on me, it's a question that, like, prompted me to think about mm -hmm. what am I going to do, so, I, no, I'd encourage you to keep asking people, what's your why? Yeah, uh, so, when I started this podcast, that was actually, a, I guess, the second question I will ask in every single podcast and what i realized over time is some most of the time people within our age group do not know what their why is you know and this kind of like uh ties back if uh, the previous thing you were talking about you know figuring out what we want to do you know that's kind of one of the struggles we are facing right now and so i figure out that's kind of like something that uh, we can't really answer or most of us do not have the answer to. So what I made my conscious, I made my goal was instead of asking that, I want to ask another question. What is your story? Mm -hmm. And 
the way I thought about it, and this is kind of like what I learned from my mentor, is like when you ask a bunch of different questions about people's stories, it helps them unconsciously to kind of like have a reflection over their own lives, which can help figuring out what your purpose and your why is. So, so kind of pivot it that way and see like where that can go. Mm-hmm. But and it's very interesting, you know, and then usually sometimes at the end I will ask what, what's your why, you know, after we have all this conversation. So. Totally. And, you know, I, I really like that, you know, um, coming from having applied to colleges, mm-hmm. um, looking for a job, yeah. you know, prompting people to think about their story and then sort of define what their why is. Or if at least like after the interaction, they walk away like, oh, mm-hmm. that's something I need to think about. Mm-hmm. That is like 100% truly beneficial for them because... Whether you are applying for grad mm-hmm. school, whether you're applying for an undergrad, whether you're applying for a job, yeah. there will always be a question of why do you want this job? Why do you want to go to grad school? What do you want to do in life? It always ties back to what do you want to do in life and you want to be able to tell your story, like mm-hmm. what you've done and like how that ties into where you want to go. So I, th- I think keep doing that and I'll, I, th- I think I, even I will start asking people what's your story what's your story yeah why because it, it really makes an impact it's a small thing that everyone can do and like something we need to think about 100% and when it comes to the why thing I I personally recommend people putting their why's on like especially a LinkedIn page mm-hmm. and because I have people uh, messaging me like recruiters or whatever that like oh that's something that's like very unique that you do because yeah. a lot of people do not know their why so um, I feel like that can help even people getting jobs, you know, like just because it shows that you know what you want to do in yeah. your life. And that kind of helps people that, oh, I mean, I want to, because you always want to hire somebody that know what they're doing or mm-hmm. what their purpose is. You don't want somebody that just want to do things for the sake of doing them sometimes. Yeah, because, you know, in our psychology thing, mm-hmm. it's, it's the difference between an external motivator yeah. external motivators are money money um you know such such things internal motivators are driven by your your why your watch and that's a lot longer lasting and it's a lot bigger of a driving force than external motivators so if you can find someone whose why fits in with your organization's why mm-hmm. then like that's that much better because they'll automatically be pushed to like go above and beyond yeah, because I feel like external motivators, you can accomplish them and then move on. Yeah, and it's it's not a lasting motivator. Mm-hmm, 100%. A uh, couple more questions. Um, let's kind of keep these a little bit short. So, within the concept of respect, and I, I don't know why, but I've recently been very, very fascinated by the whole respect. And how it ties with um, self-worth and self-value and things like that. So, in your opinion, with your background, is respect given or earned? And why do you think that way? I think it's given. Why do you have to earn respect? Aren't we all humans? People, we're all people. We Mm -hmm. all, I think, that kindness and respecting each other is just one of the core value is or is at least meant to be one of the core values of our society and, and lately you know it's it's pretty disappointing to look at the news and how people treat each other just because mm-hmm. of what they stand for or who they like or even just their skin color that's just ridiculous yeah. like 
people are people and we're all humans. We should respect each other. We should be kind to each other. We should help each other out. Right now, like, it's it's strange. It's it's honestly sad mm -hmm. if you think about how people are treating each other. I think respect is should be the guiding value of everyone. Everyone should be respected as a human being. Okay, uh, I wanna expand to that. So I agree with you. At the same time, I wanna say that respect can be like okay. So there's a there's a level of respect that oh I'm gonna respect everybody in terms of like the bare minimums you know I'm not gonna do anything bad to you any harm to you I'm gonna be nice to you and kind to you that's that that's at least the respect I was talking about. yeah yeah and then there's a level of respect that okay I respect you enough that I would allow you to my circle and I would uh, take your advice I would actually really listen to your criticism that type of respect i'm talking about you know that's kind of like it, i think it's there i think it's earned because it should be associated with your reputation as a person okay you know i'm i'm, I'm glad you defined that yeah um and i think it's i, I don't think it's either or because mm. you know like we we seek advice from the people we look up to mm -hmm. and like we seek advice from the people who we'd like to be like mm -hmm. but sometimes it is good to get advice and feedback from people that are totally not like you oh yeah just you know because it's diversity of perspectives so mm, interesting so yeah. that's why i think like you know it might be hard to take from people that you don't necessarily like sometimes I'm, I'm like I catch myself like well I, I don't want to listen like this person is not mm -hmm. what I'd like to be like mm -hmm. but then they say stuff and I instantly like catch myself like that's not the way I should be thinking mm -hmm. I should also listen to them because they're providing valuable like information mm -hmm. um, they're providing a different perspective that I may not have thought about and it's also like a, a site that you can learn from mm -hmm. so Either or, it's 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 a hard question to answer. It's a hard question to answer, and I, I totally agree with you. And because people that do not like you, uh, or are, are not not do not like it, they're not like you. Uh, definitely provide a different perspective because they're not like you because your perspective is different. Yeah, you know, and I guess like a, what you answered is like a kind of like is a very open minded answer. You want to be very open-minded towards every single opinion because... Yeah. And like, you know, whether you take it or not, yeah, at least listen. Mm -hmm. And then you can like make up your own mind. But I, like I, I don't think you should make up your, your opinions before listening. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to my next, next question. Also, let's keep this one also short. I think we can both agree that one of the main problems that our society like right now dealing with is the problem with listening yeah you know and we do not listen to each other we just constantly yakking at each other and we do not try to find a common ground between each other so if you would like to solve this problem emil at least one thing you can do to like create a world that people listen better what would you do that's a 
that's a tough question to answer. That's because you have to find a, I want to say, global scale solution to like urge people to think and like, you know, consider different perspectives. Right now, people well, look uh, at someone and they're like, oh, you're this, then you think like this. Mm. So they quickly make their conclusions. Mm. But that is not true for everyone. And it's, it's an easy way of thinking it. Yeah. You need little mental resources to like, mm -hmm. in psychology and a book that mm -hmm. I would, I think you'd love, Thinking Fast and Slow. Thinking Fast um, and Slow, okay. By Daniel Kahneman. Um, he's, okay. he, he got a Nobel Prize for economics okay. because he brought in the behavioral aspect mm -hmm. of economics. Um, and he explains that there are two ways of reasoning. Intuitive okay. reasoning, um, which is our automatic reasoning. We always jump to like, but we don't consciously like mm -hmm. think about stuff. Yeah, and then there is system two reasoning, which is like okay, thinking about it, considering both perspectives. But our we don't default to that because it takes up a lot of energy mm -hmm. and like mental resources. So True. I think that is what's guiding this disconnect between listening. So, um, but in your daily life, well, how would you apply that? You know, because you, you're setting this at like a global level, and I feel like global level needs to start with like yeah. maybe like, we start small. <laughs> what's it called? Same Samsung, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I got it wrong, but uh, yeah. What would you do within your community? Um, man, I, I think like, I, I feel like I could give you just some random answer right now yeah. and then 100% regret <laughs> what I say or like be like, oh, I should have said this. I should have said yeah. that. I feel like that's something that you really have to think about. For sure. Um, but I think right now, just like, Let's go back to what we said earlier and mm -hmm. just lead by example. Listen to people. I love that. And then I think people will follow, hopefully, or at least mm -hmm. understand the benefit of listening mm -hmm. to each other. 100%. And then my last question, the question I've been asking from the day one of this podcast, what is the biggest, or you said there are three lessons you have, but like, what is the biggest or the three lessons that you will learn in your life? In your culture. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll really try to keep this one short. Be curious. Um, I want to say be bold, take risks, mm -hmm. you know, don't settle. Um, where to, recently I read this somewhere um, and it said, um, I am not going to have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I will have a real problem if you aim low and hit. So I think that is one Oh, that was great. So repeat it again. Yeah, so he said, and mm -hmm. I, I wish I could like say who this was, but I, I think I just saw it in some random video. Um, but he said, I am not going to have a problem if you aim high and miss, but I will have a big problem if you aim low and hit. So I say, I'd say don't settle, take risks, and try to achieve what you want to achieve. And then lastly, um, let self-reflection be your guiding principle, whatever you do. Um, take some time to think about what you've done well, what you've not done well, and how mm -hmm. you can improve it, and keep learning. Mm -hmm. I hope that's I hope that's what sticks about this episode. Gotcha. No, that was actually great, and I don't know where you got that code. I'm gonna try to Google it and find out because. Yeah, please do because I, I I also don't know I don't remember exactly what it was. <laughs> I, I really like that quote and actually when I I like that when I heard it um, you had already invited me for the podcast and I was like oh that would fit perfectly in our man's podcast I need to make sure I remember it and you just no, that your was, last question prompted yeah. it. no that was great that was great um, 
if, if I would just want to say maybe a couple words and you can say too, it's like if we, we all are being born, being born in an ordinary level, but like being ordinary and not useful will not do anyone, even ourselves good. But when we aim high, I guess we can at least be a better person for our society. Yeah, totally. Maybe that's how I'm going to say it right now. I, I really like that. <laughs> and uh, anything else we haven't talked about? I think I uh, can go probably, you, you told me you have a lunch, so I want to wrap it up. But I think we can go for another hour for sure easily. Oh man, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to come back and have another conversation man, someday. I, w- I would love to do that. Yeah. Uh, so anything else but right now that we haven't talked that you want to discuss? I think we covered everything. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't sure what, what I was in for. Um, your mm-hmm. episodes are very, like, I wouldn't say they're planned, but also improvised at the same time. No, it is. Um, That's how my brain works, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my brain is just, like, all over the place and try, keep constantly asking questions. So Yeah, so yeah. I really like that. I... I thought about what is something that people could maybe learn from me that I have mm-hmm. learned from others and I think I was able to at least convey that mm-hmm. message a little bit um, so 100% and I want to ask you this last thing so yes I am as I said stands for belief and believing and having confidence within yourself that you can accomplish anything you want in your life and I always at the end of the podcast ask people how would you finish this sentence Yes, I am what? So if Emil wants to finish that sentence. A word, a phrase, up to you. Oh. Stage is yours. You see, I'm, I'm going to try and keep it short because I could jump into a whole other story. <laughs> My mom, for commencement, she gave uh-huh. a whole speech about me. Because apparently, uh-huh. for whatever picture they take of me, and like if I just, like if I tried to like, I was standing in the stadium and signaling, yeah. I always open my arms. So... I would say, yes, I am embracing because Mm. I embrace people, I embrace new adventures, um, Mm -hmm. always looking to learn, Um, I embrace knowledge. So I think, yes, I am embracing. That is probably the first uh, time I hear this in the podcast. There have been a lot of repetitive, you know, words people have been saying, uh, but embracing, I love it, and it really fits with your character for sure. All credit yeah. due to my mom. She, you know, I've, I've been really Shout realizing a lot, a lot of people <laughs> just are putting things that how I am into words lately, and I've been picking up on that. And it's like, I guess that's, that's, that's a great. that's a kind of perfect way to yesterday or Saturday. Um, I, I I I sat down and um, I told myself, hey, today I want to write a persona about myself that I want a year or two years after if anybody wants to talk about me I want their perspective fits within their person this is persona mm-hmm. and like that's kind of like what you, what you said you know like sometimes we do not know our persona till we hear people's thoughts about ourselves yeah you know and that's perfect yeah awesome. all right man Thanks thank you for, for being us on the show thank it was you great. for having me yeah. I, I really enjoyed it and I'd love to come back for sure man Thank you for joining us on this episode of the USAM Podcast. I invite you to subscribe and share this episode with your loved ones. Stay connected and find more inspiration by following me on Instagram at ArmanASKZ. Thank you for being an integral part of the USAM community. And as always, yes I am.